You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of Tales from the Bar Side. I'm your host, Remy. Here's my co-host, Lauren. Hi. And we've got a couple of special guests tonight. Um, First off, Kevin Canchola, who is a brand ambassador for Glenfiddich Scotch. Oh, good, good stuff right there. It's one of my favorites. And John <laughs> S. Neely, who is a local bartender in Detroit that we're just meeting for the first time. But uh, hi, John. Uh, all right so i think we need to start things off with a little toast we're gonna pour a little out here if you guys are ready um, oh yeah i'm ready to start drinking let's just set these nerves at ease i'm drinking right now so oh okay somebody get john a water he'll be good (laughs) we've all we've all been there excellent 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 so Tell us about this. We've got the Glenfiddich Family Recipes event going on right now. It's kind of like it's it's like it's been a couple of month long event. Kevin, can you explain it to us? Because I'm lost. Hundred percent. And so uh, Tracy Franklin was our national ambassador. Brilliant, brilliant ambassador. Part of my hiring process. Um, as I am the newest uh, William Grant ambassador, actually with COVID and everything, I was the last one to be hired before everything was crazy. To speak. But this was Tracy's brainchild. We have to uh, give credit where credit's due. But what we've been doing during COVID to help bartenders such as John, who might uh, unfortunately be out of work due to what's going on in the nation or in the, in the world right now, I should say, um, we've been trying to, A, get bartenders some, some work while they're out of work, uh, B, help out as many people as we can. And to do that, we've partnered with World Central Kitchen, who is based in D.C., and if you go to their Instagram, it's WC Kitchen. I believe it's WC underscore Kitchen. You can see exactly how many people they're working with, um, whether it's you know out of work industry people getting them meals or getting anyone meals who might be in need during this time. World Central Kitchen has been doing a great job. So what we've been doing is partnering with them and partnering with John, and we've been having John share bartenders like John share their family recipe, and that's a broad general sense of the word. So. William Grant and Sons, as big as they are, is a family-owned business. I mean, the distillery was built by hand uh, by uh, William Grant, his seven daughters, two, uh, seven sons and two daughters, and one mason. Uh, so from the late 1800s to today, we've been a family-owned business. Um, so uh, we've been uh, inspiring bartenders to share family recipes, whether that's your recipe from your family growing up or from your bar community, share cocktail recipes and food recipes. And up until tomorrow, anyone who shares that on their Instagram with some Glenfiddich, whether it be a cocktail or a dram, and uses the hashtag Glenfiddich Family Recipes, we will donate to World Central Kitchen. Uh, so we are going to see how much we get to donate tomorrow. We're aiming for uh, $10,000 on our behalf. Um, but it's just a beautiful program, again, brought to us by Tracy Franklin. And we've been going strong for the past few months now. That's Dude, that sounds thing. awesome. Hopefully we can give you like a little push to get over the hump there yeah. right at the end all of our tales from the fireside listeners and watchers share your family recipe go on to the instagram go on to the facebook and, and, I, and I posted it on our facebook so you guys can click on it from there or if you have to um like copy and paste it then the hashtag is there and everything so boom boom share the links that's what bartenders are all about. Now, so John, you said right before we went on air, you were talking about how you've been back to work for a couple of months now. So your place of business opened up. Tell us about like what it was like coming back and opening back up and stuff. Um, I would say it was definitely stressful for everyone. It was a lot of figuring out how to make all of the new regulations work, and the systems work, but also make sure everyone is safe, but also people make money. It's a, It's a very weird, like, balance of like you can't like have it like all basically it's like <laughs> some days everything's like great this this works other days like well we tried honestly um we, the menu had to change which was like a whole another thing to come into and it's like great brand new menu to learn brand new food menu to learn tight let's do it all over again <laughs> <laughs> you're up for the challenge down for the challenge <laughs> It was a lot easier, though. So everything's more streamlined. We kind of pared back and did a lot less for the most part. Yeah. Like, kind of kept it a lot simpler. Did a lot more simple cocktails. Did a 
four course tasting menu versus like having like a ginormous amount of food for everyone to keep track of. So it's a much different beast than it was before, especially for the kitchen. Those guys are like doing it. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably loving it now. They don't have so many steps and uh, processes to go through and all that. Oh yeah. It's, it's definitely a bit more streamlined for them. They don't have as much to worry about and they can know what they, they, they know what they are about to get into. I would say like more accurately too. Right now with like the reservations and everything, we've been trying to do mostly reservations and avoid walk-ins too, just so we can like have like the number so we can't like fuck it up. <laughs> right, exactly. You know exactly people are coming, so... That's a really good point. I've worked at some places before that really could have done better with some streamlining you know they were too big too broad trying to do too much trying to cater to everybody's tastes when it's like if you just do something streamlined really well people will come to you for that you know you can offer some choices but don't go crazy and don't throw your kitchen staff under the bus by like making them try to do and prep and you know it's just like you're working them to death for what you know so I, I, you know, I think the restaurant industry, obviously, we all know, is never going to look the same, or not in a really long time is it going to ever look the same as it did pre-COVID, right? So now we we come back, we open up, and it looks differently, and then there's going to be more shutdowns and open ups and stuff. It's going to look really different. Um, I, personally, I think that it's going to require some sort of giant bailout, kind of like they did for the automakers and the banks a few years ago to save the industry, you know, to save a lot of the industry. Um, but the future will show us what that looks like. You know, there's no sense pontificating about what it's going to be. If we don't know for sure, let's just, you know, try and support our friends who are doing it and, and help out people who, you know, have ideas and visions and, and want to get back to it. Um, it's, it's a strange world right now. That's all I got to say. Yeah, man, it's weird. Everything's just weird. <laughs> so I have a question for Kevin, actually. Okay, as somebody who doesn't really drink scotch, I find it very intimidating. Yeah. So I noticed that when you're drinking, you're you're doing some, you know, like smelling and whatnot. I want to know what that's about. So explain to me how this works. Yeah, well, first off, thank you for for acknowledging that and admitting that some people feel the same way that you do, but they won't say it and they'll just avoid Scott forever. Um, but somebody who has an interest who speaks up like you, that's, that's why I have a job. Right. Um, right. So I like to tell the story of, you know, my transition into single malt scotch because I am born and raised here in Chicago where I am currently um, Midwestern five hours from the bourbon trail. I worked at a, a really top tier whiskey bar by the name of drum bar back in, uh, I want to say it was about 2012. And, you know, it, it was one of those whiskey bars where everyone's approaching them saying, how do I get on your back bar? How do I get on your menu? And so we were able to try glorious whiskeys, the, the best whiskeys. Um, you know, Pappy was coming to fruition and coming into its own, but you still had like your Jefferson's Presidential, presidential Select, uh, the, the Weller barrels. We had that on our back bar and, you know, all these small batch whiskeys were, co- were coming and trying to get placements at our bar. So I tasted a lot of American whiskeys and a lot of them tasted quite similar to other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as a broad general statement, I'll say American whiskeys in comparison are a bit more, uh, are a bit less complex. Um, I don't, I don't think to call them singular, but you know, there, there's a, there's a straightforward flavor that they're going for. Single malt scotch on the other hand has a depth and complexity that I, I, I I think is unparalleled to be honest. So um, most people who are afraid of single malt scotch, you know, they might think that, Oh, scotch. Yeah. That's that smoky whiskey. Right. And Mm -hmm. they put it all in that one category um, where if you give it a chance and you get to try whiskeys, you know, there's, there's so many single malt scotches that have no smoke element to it. Um, And that misnomer is so common that when I taste a whiskey, such as a Glenfiddich from Speyside, uh, people will pull the glass back from their mouth and say, oh, the smoke. And I have to, unfortunately, because I do hate to correct anyone, I have to say, well, I, I don't typically correct them. I say, you know, you're probably getting some of the char from the barrel, you know, because there can be esters or, or, or uh, some sort of phenol that comes from the charring of, of the barrel. 
but not from peat, which is where the smoke presence come from. Um, so you just have to go out and taste. I just encourage everyone to taste as many things as, as they can. Um, I tell people that uh, based on our first time going to dinner together, you'll love me or hate me because let's say we go somewhere here in Chicago, a steakhouse perhaps. I'm going to try and get all the accoutrements, all the sides I can get, all the sauces they're going to be because I like an abundance and complexity of flavor. And that's what you get in single malt scotch. So when speaking of you know, flavor, we have to acknowledge that it's not just what we're going to get receptive on our tongue, uh, that we, we can also smell, even though you can't tell in this light, but I, I had a broken sniffer at once upon a time, and I can still smell quite a great deal more than I can taste, which is typical of any human. So you'll see me plugging my nose in the glass, uh, mostly because uh, it's summer here, as it is for you guys, and my allergies are going crazy. <laughs> um, so I'm really trying to find that dominant nostril and and get that sense of smell. And another thing I love about whiskey in general is that I'm going to have this whiskey today. I may have it again tomorrow. And based on, you know, allergies amongst several other things, I can get completely different aromas, um, you know, find some subtle nuances that I didn't get the day before. So it's fun to revisit scotches like that. So yeah, um, I'd advise you, uh, you know, somebody who, who doesn't know if they love whiskey yet to get used to the aroma, get used to the smell. Um, and I think when you start nosing a whiskey, you shouldn't just plug your nose right in it. Um, just start somewhere around your chest. Um, and you're going to have to waft the esters up at that point. A lot of people think that's pretentious, and I admit it probably was pretentious, but uh, it's, it's actual science behind the pretension. Uh, you're, you're, you can't really, your nose isn't strong enough to get many of those aromas, so you've got to waft with your hand to get something going. That's really just going to activate your olfactory bulb. And your olfactory bulb is what makes you go back to something that you love. Um, or it makes you tie a flavor of, of maybe a cocktail or a whiskey to a childhood memory. Uh, for instance, you know, I get Michigan cherries uh, in, in some, some of my whiskeys that I taste, typically a port cast finish, uh, because my uncle or my cousin grew up in Charlevoix, and they had uh, cherry orchards there. Um, and that's what that reminds me of. So when we're nosing around our chest, we're activating that olfactory bulb, and that's that cool thing that everyone has that says, hey, I know what I'm smelling because I've smelled something like this before. So you start at your chest, you work your way to your chin, and then finally you plug your nose in. And um, there's a gentleman who works in the single malt scotch industry um, who has his nose insured for a seven-figure number. His nickname is The Nose. Um, and he oh tells you that nosing a whiskey is like meeting someone for the first time. And I, I fully agree because people are anxious to say, I want to get all those flavors. And they put their nose in and they inhale deeply. And they get lightheaded. <laughs> Could never do that. It's like greeting someone for the first time. You don't go up to someone and give them a hug and a kiss if you haven't met them yet. I mean, maybe you do, but it's not in society that maybe you shouldn't do that to everyone, right? At first, when you meet someone, you're very cautious, you're very polite, and you should greet this whiskey the same way. It's a very light inhalation at first. And then as you get to know it, you can improve upon that. It's amazing. There's such a science to it. Expected. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. It's like really beautiful to watch. Actually, I don't think it's like super pretentious. It's actually kind of cool. You know, it's just like when I watch people doing like wine tastings and stuff. I just chug it. <laughs> you know, but then everyone else is sitting there. You know, you gotta look at the legs and stuff. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm guilty of that, right? Holding that glass up and looking for those legs, but it doesn't much mean anything to me either. But it's cool though. I like to to know stuff like that, and it change if you like you said it probably changes the flavor and stuff, and and just kind of like becoming familiar with a whiskey like that. That's pretty there's cool. always there's always more flavors to unlock, and uh, you know there's always that debate over you know do you add ice, do you add water, do you shy away from that? You know um, should I not do that? I don't want to ruin the whiskey you often hear. And I think uh, having worked for uh, different single malt scotch companies in the industry. Um, I've heard from multiple people that the best way to enjoy single malt scotch is with friends. So glad to be sharing that with you all. Hey, cheers, cheers to that. I love it. There's no right and wrong way. I, you know, being a bartender for so many years, whenever you hear somebody else critiquing what somebody else is drinking, like it's not your taste buds. Don't worry about it. You know, right. Oh, that man has a girly drink. What makes it girly? Because it's sweet? Because it tastes good? There's no such thing as a girly drink and a manly drink. They don't have sex. It's spirits. Like, whatever you like is what you like, you know? And 
don't tell me that I can't put ketchup on my hot dog. Don't tell me <laughs> I can't put ice in my scotch. You know, I like it the way I like it. When I first tried scotch a long time ago, uh, I hung out with some older friends and they were into it and they drank scotch and soda. So that was the first way I tried it. And I was like, this isn't bad. You know, I've had whiskey before. I've obviously, you know, tried Jack Daniels and Southern Comfort and all the American, like, ugh, horrible. <laughs> not to, you know, not to make fun of any uh, brands out there, but still. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, this is kind of different. This is really nice. So scotch and soda was my first thing. Then I did a Glenfiddich tasting one time and was like, oh, all right, now I'm seeing. And then I did a whole bunch of like crazy high-end peat ones and you're like all right this is like licking a campfire this is like you know <laughs> eating out of a drinking out of an eat, you know? it's crazy but for the, the cool thing about it is there's there's a different time and place for everything and after you eat something it's gonna change what you might like you know so like you have a you have a meal of some red meat and you get like a really smoky one and it tastes really good uh, if you just try and drink it, like after a beer, it might not taste so good. <laughs> you know, it's like what's on your palate beforehand happens a lot with scotch things to think about. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Um, and it, it depends on everything that you've had that day. Like you said, like how long ago did you brush your teeth? Um, uh, did you have coffee today? Uh, coffee completely changes. I think anyone's palate, particularly, I know it changes mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and things become, I've become much more sensitive. Um, you, you pick up alcohol burn, burn a lot, uh, more easily, I think. So you're, you're absolutely correct, man. It's all about what you had that day. Yeah. And so there is no right or wrong. Have it with friends. That's such a great, what a perfect way to say it. Stop chastising people for their drink choices. <laughs> if you're a bartender, Sean, I know, just make it. <laughs> I want to know exactly how you got involved with Glenfiddich and, oh, and wow. what it is that you do for them. I, I'm sorry. Was that for John? For John. Yeah. Okay. John, oh, that, that was I was, I was, I was for a second. Oh, um, sorry. Wake up. <laughs> How um, did you get I involved think, with Glenfiddich? Well, I would say that my first interaction with Glenfiddich was Tracy. I met Tracy a while back during Tales of the Cocktail. Lap. No, it was Tales the year before last. I met her, and. It was me and Vance Henderson, who now works for Hendrix, which is also William Grant. I believe he's national. Don't I might be misspeaking. Um, Kevin, gonna back up on that one. Yeah, but national. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So basically, I met Tracy when she was doing an event and talked with her, talked about Scotch life stuff. She's an amazing woman, one of the only like black women to like be in a national ambassador role, also. So powerhouse, super knowledgeable. We ended up at Melba's, which is this late night spot in Louisiana. That's like they have it's attached to a laundromat, and they sell like basically like cheap, trashy food late night and frozen <laughs> daiquiris and highlights. Shooting shit about whiskey before she had to get on a plane to go to do like another thing because she's crazy. But that was like my first interaction. I would say like with like Glenn Fittich as like a family on like a national scale and locally um trish who works for William grant has been super helpful i've done a bunch of events with her and collaborated with her a bunch of times in general the family the family aspect of the company comes through really strong and when you interact with the people that work for the company they're really open and they're really knowledgeable but never like overbearing or pretentious by any means they're always very opening and welcome and present opportunity for bartenders to do cool stuff. And as you know, Kevin gave me the opportunity to work with them finish doing the stuff fast program, which was super amazing. I appreciate it. So yeah, just, yeah, basically over time, just like running, running in and out of like ambassadors lives, basically. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you always been like a craft cocktail uh, bartender or? Um, primarily, I've mostly done craft. I work in Hamtramck. For a bit running a program at Barter, which was supposed to be a craft bar, but when I walked in that bar, I was like, This is a beer and shot bar, this is your cheers bar, this is not like we're the cheers bar that happens to be able to make a whiskey sour. That's fine, right. lean into that. <laughs> but <laughs> I've got to do some more like divey bar work, 
which I honestly miss right now. I miss dive bars. I miss having the ability to work at a dive bar because I mm-hmm. would just rather, sometimes I would just rather like pour your beer in a shot and talk to you about like life instead of having to put like a bunch of stuff in the cup. But <laughs> nice. That's perfect. And then I, my last question, I'm sorry, I don't mean to like take over on the questions here because I'm kind of just like, I'm so interested. Um, okay. So Kevin, I was wondering from you, uh, like, were you always into craft, co- uh, craft cocktails as well? Or did it, did uh, scotch and whiskeys and everything come to you like over time? And how did you get into that? I, I wasn't born uh, in, in being in the, in the craft cocktails. That's, that's for certain. Um, I actually, my favorite stories are, are hearing of everyone's similar humble beginnings and uh, you know, I, I had moved to Maryland to go to college and worked at a family owned tiny little country inn um, for a while and then moved back to Chicago and I was a food runner at, at a more prominent restaurant. So I, it really took me um, about four or five years to really get into craft cocktails. And runner <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah eventually I found myself uh, you know I worked at places in Chicago like the pump room that had craft cocktails from chef Jean George uh, amongst other really amazing mixologists throughout the years and then I found myself at drum barn and uh, I really started coming into my own when I started working at a place uh, Blackpool which is accompanied by other restaurants now such as Bordel uh, which is a speakeasy or uh, Beatnik Celeste the same owners for that. So that owner became a good friend of mine and encouraged me uh, to continue making cocktails. Even though the first ones I had given him were probably horrible, he still put them on the daily special menu. <laughs> <laughs> really, that that opportunity, that creativity, piqued my curiosity and, and pushed me along to here about 10 years later. It's amazing. I- it is. And it's so funny. Like everybody has their own story, you know, where, where your humble beginnings, you start off as either a food runner or, you know, I know some bartenders who started off as dishwashers, you know, it's yeah. just like work their way up. And, I was the coat check girl. Coat check girl, bar <laughs> yeah. back, you know, I don't know how many bar backs I've tried to take under my wing and just be like, look, man, if you really want you to do, do, this, do this, this is the way to go. You know, let me show you the way, Padwan. <laughs> exactly. You know. Another John Ely that I am not related to in Detroit. And I worked with him at Wright Company when I was like a food runner far back. I say, but he was a chef, but he's a bartender at Layla now. Huh. So for oh. the longest time, everyone was like, oh, you're working at Layla. I'm like, I'm not working at Layla. That's literally no. <laughs> John Neely. I know it's weird. They're like, there's two of you. I'm like, yes, 100%. I name is felt the same. It's really weird. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, you got to get a good nickname going or something, John. I don't know. If tell you <laughs> <that one>. like, <clears throat> there's got to be an answer to that, though. Like, no, not that. John. just says Neely, so I just like roll with it. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, what does make that work? Okay, so you guys have both obviously made cocktails, like, using the product that you have. So, like, can we know one? Can you, like, give us one of your cocktails? Uh, John, you want to share the one that you had uh, for the Glenfiddich Family Rescue? Uh, Sure. Um, It was basically just a Presbyterian riff, which, uh, classic Presbyterian, is just scotch, lemon, ginger, and ginger ale or ginger beer honestly like it's kind of wishy-washy some people say it has to be ginger ale some people ask we say it has to be ginger ale or ginger beer and like just ask people what they want because that's all that matters in a way. So, but yeah attaboy did a really good one that's just like lemon ginger syrup scotch dry shaken and then just ice topped with like ginger ale or ginger beer whichever one the guest wants that was like one of the Which best you prefer i had like ever so <laughs> it's super simple super easy you can literally like make it at home with pretty much nothing if you really need to it sounds super good is what it sounds yeah. like yeah. <laughs> makes you feel healthy that's the trick like you know just add a little ginger to something it makes you feel mm-hmm. like you're like getting your like healthy vibes and you're drinking well yeah, i always I like this ginger beer because i like that kind of like burning sensation that like that's, real ginger beer has I'm a ginger ale kind of guy, honestly. 
<laughs> burners for life. Love burners. Okay, I love burners. Too. But like when yeah. it comes to cocktails, for some reason, I always am like ginger beer. I just like that. Like, uh, it it just has like that kind of like hot kind of like yeah. feeling that, that leads back to the I love that. Yeah. Well, it's less syrupy sweet too than yeah. ginger ginger ales. You know. It's good. I like it. Okay, what was yours, Kevin? So I have a bunch. Um, you can see them on my Instagram page because that's literally what I'm, I'm doing for, for a living right now is making <laughs> sharing recipes. Um, so my Instagram handle is the underscore whiskey underscore cleric. Uh, and it's whiskey, the Scottish spelling, not the everyone else spelling. Um, but uh, the one I put up there for family recipes, and I also put that on the Glenfiddich uh, US page, would be the spiced pear. So Glenfiddich 12 uh, is a um, sherry finish. And um, that whiskey reminds me of like apples and pears. Again, going back to like Michigan fruit in the orchards uh, that my uncle had, that's what it reminds me of. So we used, uh, it's equal parts, very simple cocktail. It's equal parts Glenfiddich 12, uh, uh, St. George spiced pear, fresh lime juice, as well as Aperol. Uh, mm. and, and quick shake, uh, or if you're serving yourself at home and you don't want to shake, pour them all in a glass and drink it however you like. Or if you're feeling spicy and you have, uh, you know, maybe a large family living in your household during these crazy times, you can make a punch um, by adding, you know, four seven fifties into a punch bowl. That sounds Beautiful. really good. <laughs> that does. I want that. <laughs> I want that. Yeah. So again, the whiskey cleric with underscores in between. Whiskey, the Scotch spelling, obviously, because he's working for Glenfiddich. Uh, check out that Instagram, you guys. That sounds awesome. Like you've got all kinds of stuff going on over there, Kevin. Yeah, we just um, did a pina colada for National Pina Colada uh, Day last weekend, um, and I'm going to keep doing them. You know, people keep telling me to try different things, so I'll, I'll keep putting different cocktails up there. Yeah, that's Beautiful. awesome. Beautiful stuff. All right, we're going to get into some funny stories time. So I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to start things off, just kind of get the ball rolling here. We've got a cocktail in this now, so we're feeling good. My first bartending job, I totally bullshitted my way into it. Totally lied to him. I said that I had been bartending before when all I'd done is like served, waited tables for like a good three years. But I knew how to make a drink. I was in my late 20s when I started. I, I knew how to make a cocktail. Do you know what I mean? It's like I had enough practice at home and friends parties and stuff like that to where I wasn't completely lying to them when I said I knew what I was doing. And all I had to do was learn their drink recipes, you know, that they had on the back of their menu and work the service bar one night. And I was in like Flint, but uh, yeah, just bold face lie. And I always tell people that they're like, how do you get into bartending? I'm like, well, don't go to school for it. Like, that's just dumb. That's a waste of money. Like get into the, get into the restaurant industry. And learn what you can, and then just bullshit. You have to be a good bullshitter, anyways. If you can't do that, you're never gonna so you're never gonna make it as a bartender if you can't bullshit your customers. So <laughs> start off with bullshit the man and work. Remy, I couldn't agree with you more in everything that you said. Uh, but admittedly, I have to say that once upon a time, I went to bartending school. Did you really? <laughs> you went to bartending school, really? Yeah, I went to bartending school, hundred um, percent. Sorry to laugh, but I'm not laughing at you. I just no, you're not laughing. I, I had no idea. I no, I, I was actually, I was actually 20 years old, and um, I had, I had no job, and my girlfriend's brother gave me the money to do it. Uh, I had to mow his lawn and install lattice on his back porch. And then he gave me the money for bartending school, in which I did learn learn uh, like 400 to 700 drinks and shots, which I've all since forgotten because they were <laughs> they were as awful as you'd imagine. But the one I remember, the one I remember, and I went into bartending into nightclubs after that. So I, I, right. I, I didn't. You don't need any of that. I didn't need, <laughs> I didn't need any of it. Um, but the one I'll always remember. She, the teacher had all these acronyms and ways of remembering every drink and every every shot. Uh, the kamikaze. Yep. Um, but it's uh, what is it? it's it's vodka lime triple sec. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yes. And the, the the way to remember that is very little time. Very little time. Oh. Okay. First of all, it would take me forever to remember very little time. 
before I would even be like, okay, I can just remember like well, vodka. Think about it, and it's unfortunate, but a I mean, if I would, if someone asked me to like make them a shot, I 100% would remember like a very little time and just be like, cool, I got it. Like, oh my god. <laughs> How many <laughs> of those do you remember per class? Like 400 of them, and my girlfriend would quiz me before bed every night. All right, you know what though, Kevin, we're we're friends now because I actually I worked at a very popular nightclub out in Ann Arbor and they made us learn like 300 drinks and which we never used any of them at all it never it was like rum and coke which one do you want or a beer you know and we had to like like we would do like the martinis and he'd be like do you see that ice on there that means it's bruised and it's like oh my god there's no way (laughs) nobody here is gonna be ordering that but I had to do flashcards too and I had all of my roommates like pick up the flashcards and randomly quiz me. Like they would come into the shower and be like, quick, what's in a, you know, <laughs> I'd be like, oh my God. Just bust in the rooms the asking me. Huh? <laughs> There's a million of them out there. And you know, the, the beauty of the cell phone age is that as a bartender, if you don't know something that's been done by name, you can pull it up on your phone and you can make it really quick. If you're at a bar worth its salt, and they've got the ingredients that you need. That's always a good one. Kamikaze was one of the first ones that I learned, too. I taught myself how to do it. And the beauty of that one is that there's so many different flavored vodkas out there now that you can make a you know, a raspberry, a blueberry, an orange kamikaze. And everybody's like, ooh, this is really good. What is it? You know, And you're like, it's a simple little kamikaze. But I twisted it with something. You know, put a splash of cranberry in it. Put uh, Use blue, blue curacao instead of triple sack. And then you can make a purple one. You know, and it's like, oh, look at the fancy color. It's so awesome. It changed the color. Bartender secrets like that, you know? That's like... so bad. I mean, I I remember it probably took three years of me selling Stoli surprises to figure out that it wasn't just me grabbing random flavors of Stoli and being like, surprise. <laughs> Somebody actually had to like tell me what was in it. And I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. But no one ever brought them back. They weren't like mad about it. They would get them every week. <laughs> Once you, honestly, once you, once you learn like what flavor combinations are going to go with what like certain people are looking for, you know, Dave, do you want sweet? Do you want sour? Do you want fruity? Do you want this? You can, you can whip up something really cool. What I used to love to do was as soon as I'd work at a place that had drambuie, I would start serving rusty nails because people who don't really like scotch like rusty nails and they're you know they or they don't know about scotch because they've never been introduced to it but you add that sweet drambuie to it and they're like this is really good i'm like yeah rusty nail classic (laughs) it's good for a reason see i'm always really intimidated to try like okay i go to a lot of like craft bars and i always end up getting like the fruitiest thing that's on there you know, or like, I'll ask them, like, what do most of the girls drink? That's what I want. I'm so intimidated, <laughs> intimidated to even try a drink that would be like, you know, it's hard. So are there any like classic drinks that you would be like, okay, if you're a first time Glen drinker, this is a good one to go with. Yeah. I mean, the, the easy answer there is a modern classic, the penicillin. Uh, That's right. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, it's a, and it's a ginger syrup. It's not ginger beer. It's a honey ginger syrup. I know you like the ginger beer, but it's it's just a sour. It's a it's a it's a standard sour with a honey uh, ginger syrup um, with your scotch, a little bit of a smoky scotch float, um, and and it's good. It's well balanced. And I think what people need to understand and and don't be afraid of uh, cocktails or to try different things is that you're gonna be you're gonna tend to lean more towards balanced cocktails. So if you're in a good bar, their cocktails are probably all balanced. The only thing you really need to decipher is, is it going to be a sour or is it going to be a spirit-based cocktail? I don't think you're going to see too many flips, but, you know, maybe an egg white. But once you find out those two things, you know, your your boozy stirred may be for you or not for you, and your sour, the same exact thing. Um, But a penicillin is what I tell you for sure. Okay, I'll have to try it. I used to drink sweet drinks all the time, too, for a long time, so... I just think your palate changes over time too. Like I used to always get Knickerbockers, which literally my um, my bartenders that I was barbacking for hated. Like we hated making them. So 
because it was just like this incredibly obnoxiously sweet nacho that had like all the touches in the world. At the end of the night, he's like, "Really, really, really? How do you really act?" All right, I'll do it. <laughs> you must have been a good bar back. Uh, yeah, touch and go. I have my days, 100%. You know, we all have our days, you know. It's like even the most upbeat, jovial, life is great, you know, server bartender is going to come in like, fuck this shit. I, today. Probably, I, probably <laughs> shit I am not having it today. I used to break five. Right? Oh my goodness. It's the beauty of. It's the beauty of our industry is, you know, we pick each other up. Uh, I, I always try to do that. I, you know, somebody comes in and they're bitching up the storm and they're complaining about this and complaining about that. And you haven't even opened the doors yet. And it's like, hey, somebody needs a joke. Somebody needs to pick me up. You know, whatever it is, let's turn that frown upside down. You're not going to be a bummer all night long, are you? Yeah. <laughs> right. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not having a good time, your guests definitely aren't having a good time with you. I know we've all been waited on by somebody who didn't want to be there. And it's like, oh, it just feels uncomfortable. You just feel the energy. They're just like, it's fuming off of them. They're just not talking about it. Do you need to go home? (laughs) Are you allowed to drink on the job? Can I buy you a shot? Yeah, Yeah, that is me 100%. I'm like, do you want to do a shot? Like, I mean, here's what ails you sometimes. So when you're talking to a bar about carrying your products, what do you tell them is like what will set it apart from other similar products? Yeah, so Glenfiddich, uh, I mean, aside from having uh, the largest whiskey stocks in the industry, we've got more whiskey than anyone else. Um, And I admired that when I wasn't with the brand. Because mm-hmm. what that essentially means is that Brian Kinsman, our our, ma- our head distiller, has so much whiskey that if he gets, if he has a dream one night and thinks it's really cool, he can wake up the next day and start making that whiskey. Um, so they, we've done things like um, the experimental series with like Fire and Cane, where we wanted to play around with a little bit of peat with Spaceside whiskeys. Um, we've we've got we've uh, aged our own rum just to use the cask to put scotch in it afterwards. Uh, we, were the, we were the only scotch brand to use a local IPA cask or, or work with a, a, a cask that held IPA in it. So I, I think that as far as versatility and complexity is concerned, I think uh, Glenfiddich is, is, is ahead of the game. I mean, Glenfiddich was, after all, the first single malt ever. Isn't Glenfiddich the only brand to do grand crew collaboration too uh, i haven't on this other scotch that's done that honestly. so I, I i thoroughly appreciate the question because grand crew was launched last year before my time uh yeah come from a luxury portfolio grand crew seems a bit up my alley so i would love to love to do things but in in the in the times that we're having right now i think anything luxury is is almost a hundred percent off the table um will i be looking to do something in the midwest hopefully hopefully because it's such a beautiful whiskey more people need to try it uh i'd love to share it with bartenders with everyone that i can to be honest so if i can do anything grand crew i'm gonna do it and if they let me travel you better believe i'm going back to where i was when uh when i got my offer which is detroit so yes come back and hit us up you most want to try it too. All last year when I would travel to Detroit, I would tell everyone because I covered 15 states last year and they would tell me, you know, what are some of your favorite markets? And, you know, of course I had, you know, like Louisiana, Pittsburgh became a favorite because it reminds me of the South side of Chicago where I'm from. Um, But I would tell everyone that Detroit is living in 3019. All last (laughs) year I told people that mostly because of the one alley where, you know, the skip and standby are and those other lovely bars there. But, um, I, I went to, I went, I'm a, I'm a hockey guy through and through. And I went to two Red Wings games last year. I never made it to the Joe, um, but I got to see the new arena and wow, it was great. But uh, I had friends up there and I was in my Blackhawks jersey because we were playing against you all. And <laughs> oh, the guy, uh, we're staying at the, the hotel that's actually a fire station. Uh, apologies. For apparatus me. room. What is it? Apparatus room. Apparatus room. 
And these Wings fans came up to us and they were like, are you from, you guys Chicago Blackhawks fans? And I was like, dude. Thanks for coming to our city. Thanks for checking us out. We hope you guys have a good game. And I was, I was so blown away. And the first thing I did was lift up my jersey because I was wearing a um, Detroit Bad Boys t-shirt <laughs> underneath that I just bought earlier that day. So I absolutely like, I can't tell you guys enough how much I want to come back and have some fun up there. Well, yeah, Detroit, <clears throat> Detroit and Chicago, we're so close. There is definitely a friendly like sports rivalry, but it's just that. For the most part, all my dealings have been like friendly. I've been to Chicago, and I love it there. It's an amazing city with amazing people. And I think, you know, again, you, you said it a couple of times, that Midwestern vibe, you know, yeah. it's like we all share it. We all know. Like, so you root for this team and we root for that team. So what? You come to our city. We hope you enjoy yourself. And, you know, you're definitely more more than welcome to come hang out with us when you hit oh, up uh, the most. And if we ever come to Chicago, oh, we're going to pick you up for sure. I hope you guys like tacos. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love is that even a question? Right. Oh my god! I hope you like <laughs> no, tacos. Of course, too. I love tacos. I, I I live in a, a Latin American neighborhood on the south side. The best tacos. It's been rumored we manufacture more tortillas here than the rest of the United States. So beautiful. Um, and I also have a taco tattoo. <laughs> uh, I love tacos so much. So awesome. Scott, tacos. We'll do it. We'll do tacos. Oh, you had me at tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're all like really hoping that the virus gets under control so that we can go traveling again. Yeah. I actually was just in Chicago recently. I stayed at the E equals MC Square Hotel. Oh yeah, down in River North, right? Yeah. Okay. I've it was. Oh, I don't even know where was that. that place. Like they have little robots that serve you drinks. They do. That's crazy. And they're really cute. Like I had a great time just like staring at the robots. I was like, this is really cool. They like sent one to our room to like give us a new key and everything. And I was like, oh my God, I want to pet it. They're so cute. Can you be so, like, night with us robots? Yeah. They have like little um, like tuxes oh, like wow. painted oh, wow. on them. So they look like little butlers like walking around. It's so cute. So, that. like, little Wallies? <laughs> yeah. That's and they're, awesome. like, heads flip up to, like, give you whatever they're bringing to your room. Oh, man. We definitely got to go back there. <laughs> <laughs> the rooms are cool there, though, because, like, the whole entire, like, focal point of it is the shower. It's, like, in the very middle of the room, and it's all glass. So, Ooh. there's, like, you can pull a curtain around it, but you don't have to. So, it's super, like, sexy and, like, just nice rooms, like, all... It was pretty nice. I liked it. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have well. to stay there. I li- I was living in Miami last year, traveling here for work, but I'm gonna have to take a little staycation when I can and check it out. Yeah, it was definitely good. I liked it, and that was like one of my first times really walking around Chicago, which kind of sucked because not a lot was open. Yeah. But it was nice to like just walk around and see all like the cool places that are there, and I was like, I'm coming back for sure. I know I am. Awesome. You guys let me know anytime you're in town. Absolutely. Beautiful, Kevin. Thank you for that invite. Now, so John, where can people come and find you and sample your wear, sir? Um, I mean, I'm basically full time at the island, so I'm pretty much there most days, honestly. <laughs> you work working the day side or nights or both? No, uh, well, you know, we open at five, so like I'm there gotcha. pretty much every every day. This is the first weekend I've actually had off since we opened so congratulations that feels nice doesn't it we got got (laughs) three days on four days off so i'm like just focus on the four days off (laughs) now did you have trouble restaffing when you guys came back did like not everybody come back and they were kind of trying to figure it out most people most people didn't for the bar i was the only bartender that came back gotcha was the only one. Um, my homeboy Jake came back after he was working for like Antihero and helping out there. And he also has a line cleaning business. But after everything that recently just happened, obviously with that restaurant group, he uh, took a very polite step back. Yep. Yeah. Like I'll come back. I'll come back. I'll come back. <laughs> we actually finally have like a bar staff, which is a. Uh, <laughs> Weird. It's a whole new staff, kind of, but like not really. It's like two of us that opened, and then two people who are obviously like joining the squad. So that's yeah. kind of weird. They're also opening another place very soon. 
So we're trying to figure that out too, obviously. So. I don't want to tell them their business, but I'd hold off. <laughs> That's just me. I just yeah. pump the brakes a little bit on that one and see see where everything kind of lands in the next couple. Yeah, of I'm like no, <clears throat> that's cool. And uh, hey, man, best of luck to you. We're gonna hopefully send some people go out and see our buddy John over at the Highlands. Uh, he's there a couple nights a week. They're giving him some time off. I like that. But um, no, I you know last week I was about to start a new place uh, over in Plymouth. And I decided that now is not the time to get back behind a bar. And, you know, I, I, it weighed really heavily on my mind. I thought about it. You know, part of the fact is that I've got other jobs. So it wasn't essential that I get back behind a bar, but I just did not feel comfortable. And I'm not an anxiety type of guy. And my anxiety was through the roof. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do this every single shift, like have all this anxiety and freak out. And then like, you know, be okay to go into work. Definitely very, very real. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not so, very aggressive myself very often, but it's definitely been, it's definitely been in the back of my mind. It's definitely a bit of a, it's a bit of a stressful build up and you get to the end of the week and you're finally off and you're like, uh, Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, did somebody get me sick? Uh, you know, am I sick and I don't know it and I've been giving it to other people. Uh, are my coworkers all healthy is everybody. It's a very scary it. time. And I don't think that anybody can five times. Have you? Negative, thank God, but yeah, I, but no, it's you, you can't blame anybody, no matter how they feel in this situation. It's it's a very personal thing, and it's something that we're all going through together. But it's also something that I think we need to talk about, and customers need to know too that it's like, while we appreciate you coming in and giving us your business and stuff like that, we are freaking the fuck out. Like yeah. we are scared to death. We're scared for our lives. We're doing this because it's what we know how to do, and it's our career. And we love you, but like, please keep in mind that like we're filled with anxiety every shift. We're scared. We're worried. Do everything you can to try and keep your servers and bartenders safe if you're going out and dining out in the general public. Oh, like, now going and out. Wild. Yeah. And throw them lots of money. I bet. <laughs> I've, I don't even like going out to bars and restaurants anymore, to be honest with you. Like, that's why I decided not to go back to work. I'm like, I. If I can't even go and enjoy myself at one, how am I going to go work at one? But no, so I go to, I get carry out all the time with my mask on and leave them fat tips like that. It's like, I get to see you for 10 seconds. Thanks for bagging up my stuff. Here you go. Take a bunch of money and I'm gone. You know, like, <laughs> please, please be open in three months when all this shit is over so that I can come see you for real. Like, I love you. <laughs> you know, support your favorite establishments like that still i guess that's that's all we can do yeah, the cocktails to go situation helped out a lot too a lot of people are taking advantage of that as a means to just like you know obviously like stay afloat but just to like make contact the least as possible if like people want to you know support their favorite bar or restaurant just like come grab some drinks to go and just you know leave a fat tip it's a good <laughs> It's a great idea. I've seen it work for a bunch of different restaurants. A bunch of my bartender friends have been doing it. You know, it's like because girls who and guys who come up and order Tito's and vodka, they don't know how to make their own margaritas. Let's face it. Right. Like they don't like they know how to go to the bar and order it sometimes sloppily. But I mean, they might try at home, but it just doesn't taste the same. It's not. Yeah. If you can make up a whip up a good batch of whatever it is that you're making, uh, I think that's a really cool idea. But now everyone's been drinking at home and drinking like three ounces to 10 ounces at a time. And they're going to go into every single bar and be like, this tastes like juice every time. Everybody's building up a COVID tolerance. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. People are are drinking more and like drinking longer and just not, they're not hitting the wall as fast anymore. It's wild. Like True. Like our own cash drink bourbon, and literally, I, I saw a dude like I saw like fucking four tickets in less than an hour, and I was like, "You just have four cash drink bill fashions, and you're not dead yet." <laughs> okay, pull up tight. <laughs> like, okay, worry. <laughs> like, okay, so how quickly am I gonna get screwed up from drinking Glen over drinking like just a beer? So it's probably gonna be like I drink one glass and I'm like buzzed 
where if I drink anything else, I'm like, I can drink this all night. I can have four bottles of wine and I'll be perfectly fine. <laughs> this like tastes so strong. Considerably a, a lower ABV, but in the realm of, of hard booze, uh, Glenfiddich, I'd say is, is, is a very uh, moderate ABV, 40%. I really? mean, you think, you think of cognac, cognac has to be 40%, vodka is 40%. Um, alcohol has to be 40% ABV and it goes higher than that with your cast strength whiskeys and, and mm-hmm. other booze. So, um, as far as ABV is concerned, not bad. Now, when you're drinking spirits, I don't know what you're drinking, but if, if you're drinking clear, uh, there's a whole other aspect to, to brown, uh, liquor, um, and, and how that plays an effect on, you know, how you feel per se. But, um, but I think for the most part, Glenfiddich is, is rather sessionable. Um, but always make uh, make a note of what you're mixing with. If you're having cocktails, it's going to be different than when you're drinking it neat. Uh, and it, it actually took me a, a trip to Scotland to realize that. My, my first trip to Scotland was in uh, in 2017, and um, we were sampling different distilleries, different whiskeys, and and I, and I did the math, and I'm like, you know what? If I was back home and I drank this much, I don't think I'd be feeling this good. And right. I, was, I was like, do I have like Scottish power? right now and the simple answer was i was just drinking you know neat for so i was better off <laughs> yeah it affects different people different ways though like i had my first one with a, a, a handful of cubes in it and so it watered it down and melted it down and, and it was nice and easy. well yeah nice and easy to sip <clears throat> and then once all the ice was gone then i poured myself a straight dram and <clears throat> you know to finish yeah. it off because like that's that how I like to drink. I got to ease your way into it, and then uh, let the floodgate open. Exactly. <laughs> oh boy. Well, listen, guys, we're just about out of time here. I wanted to give a big shout out and a thank you to Susan Friedman for who set this the whole thing up. She reached out to me last week and said, "You know, I've got a really cool thing that I want to talk to you about." I'm like, "I'm all ears. Let's go." John Neely and Thanks, Kevin Cantola. It was an absolute pleasure to meet you guys. Thank you so much for all the wisdom and knowledge that you spit on us. And uh, like, we're definitely going to come and see you in Chicago. That's just happening. Yes, Kevin. Like, I know it. Why don't you John, we're us... definitely going to come see you at the Highland sometime. Um, Why don't you go ahead and give us the hashtags and everything too one more time so everyone yes, can know please. what to do. Sure, sure. Uh, so if you're uploading a family recipe of Glenn Fittick in a cocktail or dram with food, uh, hashtag Glenfiddich Family Recipes. Tag myself, the underscore whiskey underscore cleric. And please tag uh, Glenfiddich US as well as WC Kitchen. I know that's a lot. So if you just tag me, <laughs> I'll do the rest. Uh, but Glenfiddich Family Recipes, that's the hashtag. Perfect. And that one is already up on the Tales from the Bar side it, page. It we is, and I'll, I'll do it again in a little <clears throat> bit just so that way everyone has it right at the top. And then also, if you guys have any stories for us that you would like to share that we can tell on the air about your time working in the service industry or just hanging out with people in the service industry, send us an email at barsidetales at gmail.com. We love you guys all so much. John, yes, Kevin, yes. it was great to meet you. Thank you guys We're again for coming on. We're going to hang out and have you back on again sometime. Uh, to the rest of everybody, we'll see you next week. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.